paid for our redemption. Thank you for the blood. The blood, the blood, the blood. It's because of the blood. On the basis of the bloodshed that we claim our healing, our deliverance, our soundness of mind, our freedom, all on the basis of the blood. We plead the blood. We have a right. Not our own rights, but that given to us as the blood purchased our life for freedom from sin, deliverance from bondage, healing from sickness and disease, reconciliation, relationship with God, no longer to be separate and dominated by sin, all because of the blood. Thank you for the blood. We thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. Glory to God. Redeemed by the blood. Washed by the blood. Sanctified by the blood. Cleansed by the blood. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We honor you tonight. We thank you tonight. Holy Spirit, give us wisdom, revelation, in the knowledge of you, all that you've done for us. Give us revelation concerning the blood and what it has done for us, that we might not fall back, but move forward in the very things that you purchased our life, that we might walk in them. We thank you. We praise you. We magnify you. Holy Spirit, awaken us to righteousness in this day and this hour. Reveal to us that it's not by our might, it's not by our power, but as you empower us by the Spirit of God that we begin to overcome. We begin to reach out. We begin to see that which you have called us to do and an expression, an expectation of that which you have done for us brings an expectation of that which you'll do through us. So teach us tonight. Lead us. Guide us. Come as the helper, the strengthener, the guide, the advocate. Present yourself as the anointing to destroy every yoke of bondage. To bring healing and freedom. We expect you to move in our midst the way that you desire to move. We do thank you. We do praise you. We give you all the glory and all the honor. All the praise and all the thanksgiving. For what you'll do in every heart and in every life. By your word and by your spirit. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed said, Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Good evening, church. How are you? Praise the Lord. How are you? Praise the Lord. Why don't you greet three or four people around you? Tell them you're glad that they're here tonight. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, it's good to see you all tonight. Welcome. I want to jo- welcome everybody who's joining us on, on live stream. We're glad that you're with us. And um, praise the Lord. Just talked to somebody this morning who's here. They, they began where they live in a different state um, to start a, a marriage small group. And they said, you know, we're going to. Uh, that was so great that you said that. We're going to recommend that everybody in our small group in the other state get on live stream and listen to what's up, what's upcoming uh, concerning that. And then they said, well, you know, we already tell them, uh, those in our small group, to, to hook in online and, and join with us. And so uh, for everybody who joins us online, we're so thankful uh, you're part uh, of what is going on. Uh, so uh, that live stream team is so valuable to us as they help us reach into Uh, different places at different times uh, that otherwise might not be reached into. And so uh, welcome everybody who's joining us by live stream. We're glad that you're here. Uh, We have a few announcements to make before we get into the word tonight. And uh, one of those is, uh, does anybody know what's coming up on Saturday night? 
try it again. What's coming up on Saturday night? All right, praise the Lord. How many of you do not know who Todd White is? Do not know. Oh, praise the Lord. So uh, that's why, you know, when we keep talking about Todd White, you're like, why do we have to be here early? Um, but you'll just want to come early. Um, he's known around the world, and so we're getting calls in from different places. We even uh, had somebody call and say we're planning on coming at about 1 o'clock in the afternoon and setting up shop in the parking lot. And so, you know, you all might think, well, I don't know why we would come early, but believe me, we want you to come early uh, and get a seat. You all who are faithful to come all the time, we want you to get in on the benefit of this gift. But uh, so if you're serving uh, on that night, if you're serving in an area that night, night if, not if you serve at different times that night, then uh, talk to your leader or talk to Pastor Tasha and you'll get a lanyard. And so just give you instruction. We're going to park over here. If you're coming, you have to come before an hour early. All right. Park back here, come in the back door. So anybody who's watching this not serving, don't try to sneak in the back door. Those of you that get lanyards, do not sell them. All right, this is not a money-making scheme. Uh, so you want to have your lanyard, you come in the back door so that you can put uh, um, your uh, materials or whatever you want on your seat and for one other person uh, and the reason that we do that, some people will come in and they might be upset. Well, we waited in line. There's already seats taken. You're going to be serving. You're going to be ushering. You're going to be greeting. You're not going to be able to come in until later. And so because you're serving the people, we want you to be able to get in on that. We want every single one of you to be able to get in on that. So uh, come, we're letting you know, come early so you can be a part. Just understand this. I don't know what it's going to be like. We live here in western Colorado. Sometimes, you know, you, you expect because you've been in other places, and we still just drift in to an important meeting 20 minutes late. Just kind of our laid-back culture. But if you've ever been to a place where they line up for meetings, then it doesn't appear at the outset to be the most Christian thing that will happen in your life. People will bump, push, and run to get a seat. And so the one thing we don't want for these meetings is people to be offended and upset. So we don't know what to expect. We hope everybody can get in. If they can't, then we have two services uh, for that reason. So again, you might come in and say, well, it's not crowded at all, and we came early. Well, that'd be good just to learn to come early once in a while. But uh, right, I'm getting to that. Not two services on Saturday night. All right. So we've been announcing this for a long time, but if you haven't heard it, I'm just trying to cover all the bases here. So you, if you're serving that night, check with your leader, check with Pastor Tasha, get a lanyard, park back here. You'll be able to come in, put your uh, things out so that you have a seat uh, when we come in. And so there's two services, six o'clock. Somebody say six o'clock. Six o'clock on Saturday night, and somebody say 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. So we've adjusted the whole schedule <laughs> so that you can be here, you can be free to minister. Um, and then uh, on, uh, then again, 6 o'clock on Sunday night, somebody say 6, say six o'clock on Sunday night. We're going to have our regularly scheduled service. You want to be here early because people are going to line up at the door and be out in the... <laughs> it's a strange thing how that works, but maybe not. But we're still going to have service on Sunday night. And then uh, the following week on Sunday morning, Sunday night, regular services, Mark Hankins is going to be here. Again, you want to get here early and have a seat. Then Monday night uh, at 7 o'clock, uh, Mark Hankins is going to be here. Praise the Lord. And so even as we sang that song about the blood of Jesus, pleading the blood of Jesus, uh, many times on Sunday morning, there's really, I don't know of anybody in the body of Christ that can teach on who you are in Christ, taking your place in Christ, and the blood of Jesus, as well as Mark Hankins is as gifted as that. So you don't want to miss those meetings concerning the blood of Jesus, rejoicing in God. Amen. And so uh, all of that is taking place. Did I miss a detail? But if you think of it, just let me know. We don't want to miss anything. We want you to be well informed about this uh, as well as we can be informed about this. Amen? And uh, we're, we're very excited about the opportunity uh, to have these ministers in, to minister to you. It's a, it's a vital time as we have been praying into this year and into next year. 
something about it. There's just something about it. We want our spiritual awareness opened up, our, our thoughts to be opened up. But as we began to pray, we just, you know, we usually pray at the beginning of the year for a number of days, kind of traditionally this past year, we came into December. God said, we had been praying as a staff. He said, I want you to just tell everybody, start praying December 1st so we're not behind. We're not starting the year to pray and then we're a month behind. Start praying in December. And then as we started to pray, he said, I want you praying not just for some things in the upcoming year, I want you to pray into the next two years. And so we're well over halfway into this first year, but I believe God has done much if you look at it and, and you give attention to what God is doing. And uh, certainly there, every situation might not look positive, but God has, you know, many are the affliction of the righteous, but God delivers us out of them all. God's working not only in the positive things, but God is working in some negative things where the enemy came to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus has come to give you life. He's working. He's at work, working all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so I believe that you are called, we are called according to his purpose. And so he's working some things out because the divine purpose is, is right at our doorstep if it's not upon us right now. How many of you believe Jesus is coming again? And he's coming again. If all the signs of the time are here, he's coming again real soon. Real soon. So it's not a time to be asleep. It's not a time to get lazy. It's not a time to just really involve ourselves and get distracted by other things, but to focus on what God is doing in transforming our life so that we can be a light in the midst of darkness. Amen. And so uh, just, uh, again, we've been letting you know of all those things. Be aware of those and uh, really come expecting uh, your, your expectation uh, is key. And so, you know, whether, you know, I'm ministering Pastor Tasha, uh, the staff, Pastor Jonathan, you know, it's always key that you come expecting God, right? So, you know, you come to a special meeting or you go to a conference there and you're like, man, everything's on fire here. Well, sometimes you just need to go back to those places when there's not a conference. Sometimes it's not the same fire. Why? Because they're dealing with congregation day to day. Well, then why is all that so much different? Because people come expecting differently. So, you know, the atmosphere when guest ministers are here, there's always an expectation. You know, prayer time on Sunday morning, more people show up for pre-service prayer on Sunday morning with some guests. There's an expectation, right? So, as you understand that you have a part in what God does in every single service, your expectation, how you come expecting really begins to set an atmosphere. And not just for you, but for the people, uh, anybody who comes, right? So you don't just come expecting, God, I need A, B, and C, and if you don't get that, then you leave disappointed. You just come expecting God to do what God wants to do. Because your A, B, and C might be really predicated on your expectancy of God and God doing in somebody else's life what he wants to do. And what we don't see is later your A, B, and C get met. Not from a meeting, but from the hand of God. Amen. So we want to come to all these expecting uh, what God can do and what he wants to do through the gifts that he's placed in the body. And those gifts are coming, right? There'll be all kinds. They have different uh, uh, aspects to the gift, different operations in their gift, different administration of their gifts, but it's the same spirit. And the spirit of God and the gift of God is to do what? To equip you to do the work of serving others or ministering to others. So some of you know that, but many of you are like, no, ministry, pulpit, all that. No, ministry is just serving, serving others. So God wants to equip us to be good servants of others. Amen? And so you don't want to miss it. Come with an expectancy to be equipped, further equipped to minister to others, uh, a new boldness. I believe that all of these uh, people coming, there's a boldness that you can catch Right, Maybe not be taught, but you can catch or have imparted that will help you where you have uh, experienced timidity to have a boldness to share the gospel. So anyway, those are coming up uh, to be a great blessing to you. If you weren't here this morning or weren't prepared with your local church tithes and offerings, we want to give you an opportunity to give. If you're making that check, make it out to New Creation Church. If you're giving by cash or debit or credit card, raise your hand. The ushers will give you an envelope. And if you're giving by text, the number is up there. 
Uh, if you're giving online, you can go on to the website, give button. We're so appreciative uh, for your generosity this morning. Uh, Pastor Zane went through just a number of things that your giving has impacted throughout the world. Uh, we, we ran a video uh, directed specifically at you from uh, John and Lisa Bevere. Thank you for your giving into the nations. Uh, you're doing that just right here. just want to announce to you just here in the last seven days, five people gave their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm super excited. I'm always excited when people get born again, but something that is kind of unique about this, because, you know, we've seen people born again in the jail, extended table through different groups, but this past week, four of the five people who gave their life to the Lord, gave their life to the Lord through personal ministry of a member in the church body. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, you know, it's just, we're, again, that's equipping for work of ministry. You're out there, the people that you work with, that you come along uh, uh, side of during the week that don't know Jesus, that you're beginning to be a light in the midst of darkness. And so really, you know, we've said this before, but it should be our expectation. God, lead somebody across my path that needs to know about you. Somebody that may be hurting, may be bound, may be distressed, maybe just in darkness that I can minister to, that I can shine a light in their life, that I can stretch forth your hand, that signs and wonders might be done. Amen. And so sometimes, you know, we're apprehensive, but man, what a joy. And uh, just, you know, I don't know how to say this without somebody going, well, you're not supposed to be that way. But, you know, as a pastor, that just makes me feel so great on the inside and uh, be in a godly way proud of you all for sharing your heart and, and knowing, being aware that this person doesn't, doesn't know Jesus. How could I lead them into a relationship with him? And so uh, that is awesome. So all of that, you know, there are fruit of righteousness. We sow seed that looks like money, but it's all to produce the fruit uh, that is people's lives being born again, not just in our Jerusalem, uh, but in our Judea and throughout all the world. So we appreciate your generosity and uh, praise the Lord, your boldness to share the word of God with people around you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for every opportunity that we have to give. We thank you for uh, uh, supplying seed to the sower, bread for food, that you are increasing the fruit of our righteousness. And because of that generosity, Thanksgiving is being made to God through our giving. We're so grateful. We're so thankful. We're so thankful for the opportunity that we have to give and see lives changed. And so we thank you. As we sow seed, we declare more lives saved into the kingdom of God. People delivered out of darkness and brought into your glorious light as people move forward and minister the gospel. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and pass the buckets. Open your Bibles to Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Ephesians, the fifth chapter. We have been in a study on Sunday night on the book of Ephesians. And um, as we said uh, last time, that uh, really as you look at Ephesians, it's a, it's a powerful book. Uh, the church at Ephesus, we went through a little bit of the history of Ephesus when we started this. Really a main church, a blowing and going church uh, in, in the very first century uh, Paul had established that church. Timothy uh, uh, pastored that church at Ephesus. John, the apostle John, was, uh, as, as history looks at it, a part of that church. In fact, he was there in Ephesus and stood up against some of the, the uh, Roman uh, leaders of the day. That's how he got exiled to the Isle of Patmos. And so he was prevalent in Ephesus at the time. At the same time, when we look at this, and certainly not to be negative, we know in Revelation that Jesus came to John and he spoke to really the church at Ephesus through John. And he said, listen, you're, you're doing a great job, but you've done one thing. You've left your first love. You, you, you're doing many things, but you've You've do, you're doing them, and somehow you've lost your passion or your reason why you do them. You've left your first love. And he said, if you don't return to your first love, then I'll have to remove your influence from the world. I'll have to remove your lampstand from the world. And so interestingly enough, he says that to all of these churches. I made a statement of this last, um, last week. Uh, somebody kind of brought it to my attention in a conversation that we were having. We were talking about the tour that we, we just took. We went to minister in Istanbul, and then we were able, the team was able to go tour what they called the tour of the seven churches. 
And, you know, it's exciting. It's exciting to hear the history of the area and to know what Jesus was saying by the culture that was prevalent in that time and that season, what the culture was, how it was infecting the church, and why Jesus said what he did in these particular areas that we traveled to. But even as we name it, this is how our, our thoughts and our, our mind get going, and really we can connect romantically and, and intellectually, and we go, and it was just awesome to see the ruins in the area. But uh, we did not actually go and visit one of those churches. Not one of those churches in Revelation are still meeting as a group of people gathering together to reach out and to dominate and be an influence in their culture and their society. Hmm. Which, you know, some people will say, well, you got to understand all the things that have happened throughout time. Well, uh, the Word of God is still alive throughout time. And those locations still exist. But the churches aren't there. So something must have happened. So we learn and we glean. But again, we also see how the world can encroach upon the church, Jesus, just as Jesus was saying, and he wants the world not to encroach upon his church so that his church can have a dynamic influence in the community that we live in. And so part of that will be signs and wonders and miracles. Signs and wonders and miracles. We look forward to that. But really, signs and wonders and miracles strictly operating from a life that doesn't appear to be changed, a life that's still influenced by the world, a mind that is still influenced by the world, things get uh, considerably confused, right? And so uh, uh, the ability of the church to set a culture that people can come in out of the world and see that there's a different culture, there's a different way of living, there's a different way of thinking that we begin to influence how they think more than they influence how we think. And that can only happen when we understand what Jesus Christ has done for us and how that so should impact our life. And how that, when it impacts our life, it simply doesn't impact our life for the time that we spend in this room together. But we learn of the impact in, on our life here and we begin to develop the impact on our life so that we take the impact of that out wherever we go. We take the light of that wherever we go and, and the transformation of that wherever we go so that we can effectively hear from God and live out what he has called us to live out. So the first three chapters of the Ephesians, uh, the book to the Ephesians is telling them, reminding them of everything that Christ did for them and how that took place, how they were redeemed by the blood, forgiven by the blood, what Jesus did, impacting the church, who the church is and what the church is uh, supposed to do and how the church, the church itself, the gathering together of people. Just the understanding of the church. Many people will say, well, you know, I don't know about going to that building or anything. I, I personally have my church on the mountain. You can't have church on the mountain by yourself. It's not church. The church, church is the assembling, the gathering together of people to come together, to hear really what the Word of God says, to process it into our life, and then to take that out and influence the culture that we live in. That's the, the ecclesia, the, the ecclesia, however you want to pronounce it, is that we gather together, we come together, we build one another up, we help one another, we strengthen one another, knowing we're going to go back into the world, and the world's going to press in on us, and the world's going to try to change your mind, and the world's going to try to influence you, and if you're just left to yourself in the world, the, the, the magnitude of that will press in on you in a big way. But when you come out of that and come together and we edify and we build one another up and we talk the word of God and we show what the word of God says about us and who we are and the strength that we have and we can bring that to each other and edify each other and develop relationship, then when we go out of there, we're stronger than we were just by living in and under the influence of the world. So he said, the church, Paul said, it's by the church that the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to the principalities and powers, the, the satanic forces. It's by the church understanding who the church is, what Christ has done for us, what our influence is in the world, and how it dynamically changed by the blood of Jesus. That when, this, when Satan had Jesus crucified, that he didn't win. 
Because he thought he could win throughout time. He just killed the prophets, stifled their voice. So he just got a pattern, like if I could kill this this one, I'd stop their influence. But when he killed Jesus, he fell right into the hands of God. And he shed the precious blood of the lamb, the spotless blood of the lamb. And God raised him from the dead. And when he raised him from the dead, a whole new race of people sprung forth. Not just mankind, but God-man. Man filled with the Spirit of God, no longer separated by Adam's sin, but now joined to God, filled with the Holy Spirit, a different type of man to live out this extraordinary existence. And when we live it out, we make known to the principalities and powers the wisdom of God in sending Jesus to be crucified and, and, and for our sin, to be beaten for our sickness and disease. We show this was the wisest thing. Amen. And so it's our role. So the first three chapters, he tells us all of that. Then the second three chapters, he begins to tell them, tell us how we can walk that out. And so uh, we have ended up here uh, in chapter 5. And the first part of chapter 5, he begins to talk about these things. Verse 1, he says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, imitators of God as dear children. Talked about this a little bit, you know, uh, there used to be a commercial where this uh, dad and his son, they'd get going and they were in the garage doing some things and, and whatever the dad did, the son did. Then they went out and did some yard work, whatever the dad did, the son did. They were just doing stuff all day long and then pretty soon uh, it shows them sitting down by a tree. Dad pulls out his pack of cigarettes, smokes a cigarette, puts it down. Uh, the kid breaks out, grabs a hold of the cigarette, breaks it up, puts it in his hand. Very negative uh, impression, but very impactful impression knowing that children imitate what they see. It's just something that we know. Children imitate what they see. And so, you know, we try to say, do as I say, not as I do, but they're watching what we do. And God knows that, and he put that in here. Be an imitator. Just as you see children imitating, be an imitator of God as dear children. And walk in love. As Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. And so last week we talked about this, really gives us three things right here in the beginning of chapter 5, that we would walk in love, and that we would walk, uh, and we covered that, and that we would walk in the light, that we would walk in the light. So he goes on and he says this, he said, verse 3, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator or unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So he said, we're to be imitators of God as dear children. And then, so he said, walk in love. Then he begins to talk to us about walking in the light. Turn over to 1 John chapter uh, 1. 1 John chapter 1. Verse 5. He says, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so really, Paul begins to talk about how we walk in the light. He's going to prove that point to us, really from three parts or three sections of that. And uh, uh, really, the first part is he begins to talk to us and tell us that we are saints, saints of God. And so second, or first Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 tells us really that we have been delivered out of darkness, that God brought us out of darkness and into his glorious light. He brought us out of darkness and into his glorious light. Back to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, and so understanding, he says this, but fornication and all uncleanness, 
or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Saints. When he calls us saints, you know, many times, if you've been brought up in some religious uh, or, or uh, yeah, just religious form, then in order to be a saint, you have to go through all the miracles that you've done, the life that you've lived and all that, and you have to qualify as a saint. But God, through the blood of Jesus, qualified us to be saints. It's by the blood of Jesus that he made you holy, who sanctified your life, set you apart. So what a saint is, is one who's been set apart unto God. So he said, listen, if you're going to walk in the light, if you're going to be an imitator of God, if you're going to be a saint of God, then fornication and uncleanness and covetousness shouldn't even be named among us. And there's a reason that he begins to talk about that is because by, through covetousness and fornication, that, that, that heart of a person wants something or wants to take something that does not belong to them. It's the very original part of sin that crept into, into man. God gave them all of this, and the one thing he said, this does not belong to you. I've made the earth, and everything that I've made, I give to you. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. But that tree over there does not belong to you. Stay away from it. And they drew to it, and they desired something to take something that didn't belong to them. And he said, saints don't reach out to take things that don't belong to them. Because they know everything that they have in Christ Jesus. So he said, listen, these things as saints of God aren't even fitting. Sexual immorality, covetousness, always desiring something that we don't have. Uncleanness. It's not, it's not fitting for us. It doesn't fit the saint very well. Why? Because we're light. We are light. And in him is no darkness at all. We are not to be walking in the darkness of those same things we used to when we were apart from God. We have been brought out of darkness, the ignorance of how fornication, uh, sexual immorality, uncleanness, and covetousness moves us away from God instead of to God. So when we were separated in our trespass and our sin, we didn't know that. You know, we look so many times as the church, we're looking at the world and we're like, how can they do that? How can they be caught in all that? They don't know any better. He told us that even all of us were once dictated by the flow in the course of this world. He said, but we're no longer that way. We've been born again. We've been brought into the understanding that our life is different now. We don't need those things. We're filled with the life of God. We're not filling our love bank with sexual immorality. It doesn't work. We're not filling our love bank with all kinds of things that other people have that we wish we have. He said there's something else that fills up our life as saints. There's something that satisfies our life as saints, that we've been washed, that we've been cleansed, and we've been sanctified. We've been brought into a relationship with him. And there's something about that relationship with him. As you sit and listen to me, you're like, yeah, but you know, that relationship with him is not near as much fun as some of this other stuff. That means we don't know yet. We need a greater revelation. That, that intimacy with God, that relationship with God, that understanding what God has done. He said, there's things in this life that you've not yet even attained to, but if you'd seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, these other things that you're looking for as the Gentiles look for that they can't seem to find 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're working, they're striving to find something to put a roof over their head, something that satisfies the flesh, takes care of the flesh. He said, if you'll seek me first, in my kingdom, I'll add stuff to you, but it won't be stuff that takes you away from me. It'll be stuff that draws you closer to me and really motivates your life. But Paul's trying to instruct them. Paul's trying to help them to understand, listen, we can't, it's not fitting for us to be involved in this kind of thing. It doesn't fit you. Doesn't fit me. Praise the Lord. So he's trying to help us understand that. So he said, neither filth, filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which again are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. So he starts off with things that we do, desires of our heart. Desires, why, do, why would we desire uh, to take something that's not ours in sexual immorality? Why would we look at all the things that other people have and, and try to desire them into ourselves? And then he goes on to this. He goes on to the sin of the tongue. 
the things that we say, which is a reflection of the heart. It's a reflection of the heart. And so he says, when he gets to this, he says, neither foolish talking, coarse jesting, because they don't fit you, because that shouldn't be what's in your heart. Not what's in your heart, but rather the giving of thanks. The giving of thanks. So, foolish talking, coarse jesting, uh, we get into, uh, you know, there's always a debate. We get into these things, the enemy gets to us, so foolish talking. What is all of that? We, we just can't even have fun. We can't have idle talk. Uh, no, he's not talking about that. He's talking about some other things. So I found this one writer wrote this. I believe it'll help us. He said, the saint of God sees nothing humorous in obscene language or jests. Foolish talking does not mean innocent humor, but rather senseless conversation that cheapens the man and does not edify or minister grace to the hearer. Paul was not condemning small talk. Much conversation falls into that classification. He was condemning, condemning foolish talk that accomplishes no good purpose. So it's one thing to get to know somebody and talk about small talk. It's not good to talk about bringing other people down changing the conversation. So, jesting is a translation of a word that means able to turn easily. This suggests a certain kind of conversationalist who can turn any statement into a coarse jest. The gift of wit is a blessing, but when it is attached to a filthy mind or a base motive, it becomes a curse. There are quick-witted people who can who can pollute any conversation with jests that are always inconvenient or out of place. How much better is it for us to be quick to give thanks? This is certainly the best way to give glory to God and to keep the conversation pure. So what he's talking about, you know, we are always, we can be quick to make fun of somebody or situation, to turn it in a way when, you know, something gets too serious for us, we, we turn it in a way, you know, to make a jest so that we don't go along those lines. And he said, how much easier would it be for us as saints to give thanks to God? He said, it's more fitting for us to be a thankful people than a people who are always uh, uh, just taking the conversation in a way that does not edify or to build up. Amen. So you can do that. You can, you can take a test when you're out in conversation, not of people, of yourself, how you respond to different things, how you get comfortable or uncomfortable around certain things out in the world, how uh, when things make you nervous and do you try to turn that off away from me onto something negative. How does that work? He said, really, as a saint of God, when you understand what he's called us to and to walk in, it's, it's better. You know, he brings these things that as a saint, we're not to be caught up in sexual immorality and covetousness. covetousness. As those who walk in the light and saints of God, we are not to really be caught up in, in foolish talk and understanding that something in our heart is not quite right because the tongue, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so our tongue is connected to our heart. Amen? So, you know, we usually get to people who have humor and quick-wittedness, and, and we're like, oh, there's this jesting, we can't do that. Well, there's a place that you can have fun. God sits in the heavens and laughs. We just have to understand if we find humor in putting somebody else down or changing the conversation away from ourselves uh, in a serious situation and, and making light of it when it's not light and how we navigate that. But we can do that knowing that if we're thankful uh, for what God has done for us, then it fits much better. Verse 6, he said, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of dis disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. So he says all these things. Well, wait a minute. I started in the wrong verse. He says, for this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers of them. So really, he lines out to us that we are saints and really that we are kings. We are kings. 
There's a different way that you operate as kings, right? So he said, if you do these things, you're being dominated by them, and you have no place or understanding of the kingdom of Christ that's in God. So when we do these things, when these things just come upon us, they become a part of our lifestyle. He said, why are you doing that? Number one, saints, it's not fitting for those who are holy and sanctified. And number two, when these things begin to dominate your life and you just think, well, they're just normal, you don't understand how sin dominates your life. But we are called to be kings, right? And so when we read this, we start to think about, well, now wait a minute, if I do these things, I'll never get to heaven, He says, you don't have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. In other words, you aren't inheriting. You don't recognize that as a son of God, you're an heir of the power and the dominion that comes as a king or a prince unto our God. That these things right here, fornication, uncleanness, uh, covetousness, idolatry, should not be a part of dominating our life. But we are kings in the kingdom of God. He lined that out. He told us in different ways, again, that we're a royal priesthood, 1 Peter chapter 2, that we have been ordained a royal priesthood unto our God, right? Revelation says that he's made us by redemption in in uh, Revelation chapter 5. He redeemed our life and he made us to be kings and priests unto our God. Praise the Lord. Turn over to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. See, we've come to a place, if we're not careful, we've come to a place where this kind of thing, when we came under, under grace, uh, you know, some of the teaching about grace, you can just do whatever grace covers it. We got to a place of just thinking whatever, but the Bible says you can't just do whatever. So then in all of that, we start to think, man, if we start hearing about sin and uncleanness and all that stuff, it just makes me uncomfortable, and I I just want to go be comfortable. Well, it'll kill you. And we're coming to a day that I believe that God, in all that he said and all that he's done, he's true to his word. He wants a rising up of the church to be a light unto the world, a light unto the world that, that they see, not that we're holier than thou. Not that we're pious and always uh, upset about the way the world is living. So what happens? Well, we don't want the world to be upset with us, and we've been told not to look judgmentally down at the world. Somehow, you know, all this gets a little bit confusing. But when you look at the simplicity of the gospel, it's not really that confusing. God didn't say, stand up and look at the world and examine how the world is in sin and let that shock you and be appalled with the world. He said, when you see the world creeping into the church, that should bring some concern. But the church, you're different. And so we should go out in our own way, in our own lifestyle, in our own relationship with God, from our own community, and show the world how we enjoy life in Christ. How we can have a good time, how we can laugh, how we can have joy, how we can fellowship, to be a light to them. Not like you guys don't ever get to do anything fun. We're the one having all the fun. And then we say, well, when we get to heaven, we're going to have fun. And when you go to hell, there's not going to be any fun. Well, they're staking their bets on that. But if they can begin to see that we have power, we have dominion, we live as kings and priests, we take authority uh, with, with that which Jesus has done for us over those things. We don't get bound by things. We're not controlled by insecurity. We're not dominated by the force of this world. We don't get caught up in sexual immorality and those things of sin that bind our life. We live free from that, but we live. We have joy. We have peace. We show forth goodness and righteousness. We live in love. We just enjoy life. Not just when we're here singing the song, but we actually enjoy it out there. And if we're not there yet, then he's teaching us to get there. Why? Because he wants the church to arise and to shine with everything that he is and everything that he has. So that a world in darkness can go, that's really what yearns in my heart. But there's an awkward place where they don't know. And so if we're yielding over to what sin is and saying, you know what, church and life with God doesn't quite fulfill that much. 
So I step over into sexual immorality for a while to fulfill that thing. But then we know it doesn't. We get guilty and then we come back. But instead of that, we say, listen, I don't need any of that to be fulfilled. I've learned that my fulfillment of every desire that I have in my spirit comes from him. And the fellowship that I have with his people. Are you all with me? So none of this, Paul didn't write any of this to make people to feel under thumb. He's trying to bring a revelation to us that there's a goodness of God. There's a goodness of this life that we have in Christ. It's not really to be compared with the world. Well, they have such great entertainment. Well, but we're not here just simply to be entertained. Right? That's what they need. That's what their fulfillment is. But we have joy in who we are in Christ. We don't need somebody to tickle our flesh fancy to feel like we got it. We have the joy of the Lord, which creates strength in us, all right? And so God wants to bring further revelation, even if, as we're saying this, if you're like, yeah, I don't know if that works for me. He wants to bring that to us so that we're not just struggling. We're not just feeling like when we, we get by, we're not gonna arrive at heaven and, and think that judgment is like, I'm gonna lay all this stuff before Jesus that I did, that I really hated doing, but I did it anyway, and somehow that's going to bring some source of joy. And he wants to realize that how we live with him right now is what we carry over into that. That we stand before him, not going, look at all of this stuff I did, and I didn't really want to, but I did it anyway. But to come and say, man, I was enjoying life with you. And because I was enjoying life and taking control of life and reigning in life as a king, as a prince in God, taking control and dominion over that which tried to dominate me, then look at how this has produced fruit and lives and helped people. Isn't that a joy at the judgment seat? Amen. Instead of such a struggle. So Romans chapter 5, verse, seven, uh, verse 17, it says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace, and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Jesus Christ. The Amplified Bible says, will reign as kings in life through Jesus Christ. Reign as kings in life. So when he's talking about the kingdom of God, Peter talks about no inheritance in the kingdom of God. We get afraid and say, I'm not going to go to heaven. But almost worse than that is that if we don't understand these things, we're living under the dominion of sin right here instead of as kings in life. So we're not waiting to get to a place we call the kingdom. We haven't inherited the kingdom that Jesus, the kingdom of Christ and God, is where they have dominion, where the word of God has dominion. And when it has dominion in our life, we face things. We face temptation. We face sin. And we say, listen, I reign over this. It doesn't reign over me. Pornography doesn't reign over me. Anger does not reign over me. Covetousness does not reign over me. Sexual immorality does not reign over me because I am his. I reign over it. It's not that it's not going to come. It's not that it's not going to present itself to you. But when it does, you can either say, oh, I'm helpless. And then all of a sudden it comes, but you recognize this is a temptation that's trying to draw me in and eventually dominate my life. And I won't have it. I won't come under the rule of any of that. Praise the Lord. So he tells us that. Then he goes on to tell us, back to Ephesians chapter 5. So your saints, your kings, your priests unto God your royalty, and so then he instructs us to walk in the light, to walk in the light. He said we shouldn't partake with them. I love this place in, in 6. He says, don't let anyone deceive you with empty words. So we've had different times where people say, listen, all this stuff that seems restrictive, don't worry about it. God loves you. It doesn't bother God. He says, watch out for empty words. The wrath of God is coming upon the world for these very things. God cannot pour his wrath out upon the world for these very things and then not on his people. Why? Because God is just. Along with loving, merciful, gracious, he is just. 
So Paul's trying to tell us, recognize your life has changed. Don't live like the old life and think, well, I prayed a prayer and I can still do the same things and get away with it because I prayed the prayer. He said, be careful of that kind of thinking. Anybody who tells you you prayed a prayer, now you can get away with living like the world and still get to heaven. He said, those are empty words. If it's coming upon the the, the world because of these things, don't think you're going to escape it. But it's the blood of Jesus that caused you to escape it and you can start living apart from it right now. So he said, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Find out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful to even speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Now, again, we have to be a little bit careful. We'll go over a couple things here in a minute. But we have to be a little bit careful to say, I am the light to expose all of your darkness. (laughs) Right? And by words, creating division, creating strife. He basically says if we walk as light, we live in light, we come upon people. The light of our life will begin to cause people to really see a difference and see something different in them that needs to change. That the light of the gospel, the light of the love of God, the light of the goodness of God begins to show up stuff. Initially, they may not understand. That's why we love them. They may go, there's something about you that makes me terribly uncomfortable and I don't want to be around you. But if we keep loving them, they'll realize what makes me uncomfortable is my life is different than yours. At first, it feels like judgment, but if you haven't said any word of judgment, then keep loving them. Because what they understand is when sin shows up in your life, sin with itself brings condemnation. And the moment somebody softens your heart with the word of God, you start to realize there's something not working right here. You can harden your heart to sin to such a direction that you're living under the condemnation of sin. You're on your way further away from God, on your way to hell, and you don't even care because you've hardened your heart. But the Bible says sin with itself brings condemnation. So when you become bring, be brought into the light of the gospel and you know you're sinning, something starts to work of that condemnation, that guilt. But that's not always a bad thing. People respond negatively, but if we keep loving them, they start going, okay, there's something wrong here, and it's not with you. Something's going on in my heart. How do I change that? So we're ever trying to lead people, not be afraid or intimidated by how they react, but truly bring the understanding of God's light, his love, his deliverance, and the freedom that they can have from that sin through how we express ourselves to them, how we live our life before them because we're darkness. Turn over, or we're light. Turn over to 2 Corinthians. Praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. This is packed full of all kinds of stuff that you can look at, but he says, uh, and again, so, many, so much of this stuff has been misinterpreted over different periods of time, but he says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of God. As he said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and they, uh, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. And so he said, listen, you, you were once, uh, he tells us you were once darkness, but now you're light. He didn't say you once were in darkness. He said you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. If you know that you become light, you understand what fellowship has light with darkness. So why would we compromise and put our light under a bushel to fellowship with darkness? There's something different about it, the understanding the dynamics of light and darkness, that if I stay light, I can't fellowship with darkness. 
So I'm not trying to fellowship with darkness, but I do understand that when I come into the life of somebody who is in darkness or living darkness, that when I bring light, the light has no fellowship with darkness. The light exposes darkness, right? So if you come into a dark room and turn on the light, it's not fellowshipping with darkness. It's dispelling the darkness. So he said, what's he saying there? He's saying, understand this, that you don't compromise your life to have fellowship with unbelievers. You can't have koinonia with an unbeliever, but you can have a relationship with an unbeliever and begin to affect their life to the point that you can have fellowship. But if we're trying to fellowship, not reach unbelievers with the light, but we're hanging out with unbelievers and they are the source of our fellowship, our communion, it doesn't mix. It doesn't work just right. So we're light to really bring that. And, and, and uh, you know, Isaiah 60 is, is something that I believe that God has is, is put on our hearts. I've heard others say that, that in these last days, the church is going to arise and to shine because our light has come. The glory of God has risen upon the church like never before. But he doesn't say you're going to encroach in such a way that you're going to go around and expose everybody. He says the world will be in darkness and the people in deep darkness but they will be drawn to the brightness of your rising. It doesn't say we're going to go, we're going to rise. It doesn't say we're going to go with a flashlight and look at everybody's sin and point it out. He said they're going to realize that they're in darkness and they're going to be drawn to the light. If you need rescue, right, and you're in darkness, you can't see where to go. You're looking for where there is light. And that's what we want to be. We're the light of the world. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. If we're walking as light, those in darkness will come to the light. As they draw nearer to the light, darkness and the effects of darkness on their life will be exposed. Right? So understand this. We're not running away from darkness. We're not hiding from darkness. There's darkness in the world. We have to take a stand against darkness in the world. Sexual immorality, covetousness, all the things that spring from that, homosexuality, uh, abortion. We have to take a stand that those things are wrong. That's not how God created us. We don't draw back and act like, oh, well, that's just the way it is. No, we stand up as light. But we don't have to go and smack people in the face. We live, we love, and we expose what they're doing by the light and the love of God. They're drawn, and the more they're drawn... Closer to the light, the more darkness is exposed, right? So as we come into the world, as we rise up with a boldness, wherever we work, wherever we live, wherever we go, and we stand firm in the life that we live, not compromising, right? Not looking that way, but loving, then our light begins to expose darkness as it gets near to people. As questions are asked, we bring the wisdom of God. What the Word of God says. You say, well, I don't know. Some of the people I work with, they don't like what the Word of God says. If they ask you about something and you give what the Word of God says, the Word of God has itself wisdom contained in it. It's a seed that when you speak, it gets planted. It doesn't say that as soon as you plant it, it brings a full harvest. And they're like, oh, my God, thank you. I got such revelation. Thank you, thank you, thank you. They might at first go like, wow, it just feels like you dug a hole in my heart. So I did because I wanted to plant something there. But what I planted there, if I stay with it, is going to take root. And then pretty soon something's going to come out of our life. All right. Praise the Lord. Where are we at? Does anybody know where we're at? All right. We're walking as light. And the last part that he brings out of this, not the last part before family, is that we walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. But we don't have time to cover that one tonight. So he says here in five, he's bringing us to this place of imitating God by walking in love, by walking in light, and then by walking in wisdom. And we'll cover that next time. Why don't you stand up with me? Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify you. We glorify you. We thank you for your word speaking to us, helping us. This word that we look into is as it is in truth, the holy written word of God. You said if we'd know the truth, the truth would make us free. Free to be everything that you've created us to be. 
to see that we are saints of God, holy and sanctified. There are things that are not fitting for us to live in anymore. That you made us kings. That we are those who partake of the kingdom, the inheritance that we have as sons and daughters of yours. And that we should no longer be dominated by sin, but we should take dominion. I thank you, Lord, in all that you give us wisdom in how to walk. So I thank you, Holy Spirit. You take the word and you make it life. You translate it into life for us. So I thank you that even as we go forward in this week, we won't be a forgetful hearer, but we'll be a doer. We'll focus on walking in love. We'll focus on living in the light, walking in the light as you are in the light. And you help us by showing us the wisdom of God. And so we thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we thank you for coming upon each one as only you can do. To reveal, to bring wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. To reveal to us our inheritance as saints. Reveal to us your mighty miracle working power and your authoritative power. That we might rise up and be the church in this generation that you've called us to be. And we do thank you for it. We thank you that it's all sealed, brought to us by the blood of Jesus, that price that you paid. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you need prayer for anything, the altar workers will be up here to stand with you, to pray with you. And uh, don't forget, uh, I know we're not letting you forget, but don't forget, Saturday night, Todd White will be with us the next Sunday morning. Say as we go, what God did in Christ Jesus? Far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great week.